If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is the Bob McCowan Podcast brought to you by Bent Rivers. Download the Bent Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with John Shannon. Hello, Shannon. Have you, hey, Bob, um, how are you? What'd you do last night? Um, Not much, I don't think. Oh, I watched a bit you of the watch the basketball? Game. Just a little bit. I mean, they were so terrible. I couldn't watch the whole well, game. I, it, 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 I, I, I must admit, I, I watched a lot of it. And never once did I pay attention to the Raptors for no. 29 minutes, for 29 minutes that Victor Wimbayana just, I was engrossed in what he could do. I mean, it was, it was uh, an unbelievable display uh, at both ends of the court. When you think about it, um, gosh, I think 27, 14 and 10, a triple double. And you now know why he was the number one pick. Well, sure. You know, oh, my goodness gracious. You know, it's not just that he's seven foot four. It's that he's he plays like a six five guard, you know. He's an athlete. Oh, my you God. Know, I agree. It's, uh, it's uh, going to be interesting to see what he turns into later in his career. He means kids, just a kid. He's really young. The, the challenge is, Bob, and you've seen this through your, your years of following the NBA, is durability. When you're that big, um, I guess so. can you stay durable? Greg Popovich, I mean, I, I almost think this is the, uh, the best position for uh, Wembeyana to go to because Popovich doesn't care about winning or losing right now. Popovich cares about, cares about player development. And so record means nothing this year there. And uh, he's getting acclimatized to North America, to the NBA game, to travel. It's, uh, it, it, it's a very interesting case study of what they're doing with him. But he was spectacular. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they try and support him in the future. I mean, this team isn't good enough yet right now. But, no, uh, but they're going to have a high draft pick, right? Yeah, but what kind of player do you get for to be with him? Well, you know, a I, selfish, I, I, a self, a great selfish player. Well, I don't think it will work there. Just oh, won't no, get no, the no, ball off enough. Well, that's so. Okay, so now we've I've scratched about five guys off my list when you say that. Well, sure. <laughs> but uh, well, it, 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 as I said, I think Popovich, uh, perfect. A, a perfect storm for this young guy to go to. And, and last night it was, I mean, it was a, two teams not going to make the playoffs, but it was riveting to watch this kid play. 
riveting. Well, I didn't find it that way, but nonetheless, I understand. Yeah, but you didn't like the Super Bowl either, so. No, I understand what you're saying, John. Okay. I just, uh, I did, I've seen enough of Wembyana uh, play. He's yeah. uh, he's a great player, I admit. Yeah. And he's got a great future, but it was not a competitive basketball game at all. No, no. The Raptors uh, were All right. Awful. Well, yeah, well, as I said, I wasn't even paying attention to them anymore. I'm not sure I can. Um, so it's a little bit of hockey today for you. A couple stories that are kind of interesting, a little off the ice stuff. Morgan Riley's going to have a hearing this afternoon uh, with the New York office. He was supposed to fly there, but uh, weather in New York's bad, so they're going to do it virtually. We're going to talk to Doug McLean about that and uh, the ramifications of it. Plus the John Tavares uh, um, issue with uh, the the CRA Canadian tax system is a fascinating one, and I, I wonder Why? what kind of impact that will have. Why? Why do you think it's fascinating. Well, he's claiming that his signing bonuses should be taxed at fifteen percent, and the government saying it should be taxed at fifty-two. So Why would a signing bonus be only taxed at fifteen? Well, because there's a clause in the in in the the tax code that allows for bonuses to lure people to come back to Canada, and it has been there for years. And now, what's happening is there's interpretations of the tax law, and there's interpretations of an NHL contract that says that uh, NHL players are not using it properly. So that's why it's interesting. I mean, he the, the government claims that. Of a $15 million signing bonus in year one, he owes them $8 million, Bob. Yeah. $8 million. So it, yeah. it, it, Doug will have some thoughts. And then you wonder if, if the government wins this, what kind of effect will that have on everybody NHL else yeah. signing in Canada? Yeah. yeah. So I agree. So we'll talk to our pal Doug McLean after this. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Bob and John and the man from Florida after this on the McCallum podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the podcast, John and Bob in Toronto, and uh, Doug McLean in Florida. But uh, I expected to see you by the pool with a cigar in your mouth. What's going on? Well, I was down. I had a pickleball lesson Tuesday morning. This pickleball lesson, the pro comes over, and we have a lesson, Jill and I. And uh, I'm going through a bit of a an injury problem with pickleball, though, so I have to be careful. My, I uh, have a, uh, an a see my nail. Oh my God! But I don't think my, my partner, my 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 partner's uh, paddle collided with mine. But we got the point. But I, I, you know, it hurts my golf game a little too. 
But anyway, no. You know, I, the, the, medical, I, the medical system in the United States is in a tough spot because there are so many pickleball injuries now oh, yeah, that the cost most, of medical coverage in the United States is just booming. But usually it's an ankle or, you know, Achilles. It's not usually a thumbnail, you know, but that's me. But anyway, I apologize. I apologize. Uh, I had to move into the kitchen for this uh, for this thing. I wish you were here. I'd give you lunch, but I, you know, because I'm right That'd here in the nice. kitchen. I can yeah. I can make it for you. But anyway, we'll have to. So so. Oh, anyway, so no uh, cigar today. Uh, but tomorrow morning I play golf at at seven, and I'll have a cigar on the golf okay. course. Trying to re- just try to okay. relax. Good. You know. So today is uh, Morgan Riley Day. He's not going to go to New York. They're going to do the hearing virtually now because of the weather in New York. What What did you think of Saturday night, Doug? Well, uh, you know what? I've got sort of mixed emotions on it. I, I, I see a team that's 28th or 29th in the standings, Ottawa, a team that's been dominated by Toronto for the last number of years. They finally get a big win against Toronto. I know they've had a few in between, but a big win at home against Toronto and they're excited. And the guy slams the puck in the net. Would I like it if I was coaching against it? Remind me of Terry Crisp. Remember coaching against Terry Crisp and they were beating yeah. us with the Panthers seven one. And in the last shift of the game, he puts his five best players on for the power play. Of course I didn't cross check him in the head. I wouldn't do that. I just yelled at him, you know? So, so the problem is Morgan Riley is a, is a great kid. He's a sensible kid. He's got no penalty minutes. He's not like that. He goes to cross check him and it slides up and gets him in the face. So he's going to pay a price. You know, the league will see it as a revenge tactic. The league will overreact to it. And he deserves to get penalized for it, but not as severely, I hope, as most people think he'll get. I, I, I'll be like, everybody's talking six games, like seriously, if they really think this out on both sides, I would hope they're not giving them six games, but I know there's no excuse for a cross check to the, to the head. I get all that. I don't think that was the intent, but um, you know, I think if they really look at it seriously, they will, but I'm probably going to be wrong. They're probably going to hammer them, but I hope they don't. What was the intent if it wasn't a cross check him in the head? It was to do I, something. I, I think he went to cross check him in the shoulder and it went up and hit him in the head. But that you're responsible for your own stick. And he was ticked off and he was upset. And that's why the league will treat it as a revenge thing. And um, it was stupid. You know, it was a stupid thing to do, Doug. It, it was stupid. It was, you know. Should we blame a rookie or a young player for slapping the puck in the net? You know, that's that's sort of we don't like. But how, that. how bad was that, Doug? How bad was that? It wasn't that bad. It was it was exciting because they're in 29th place and they had a big win at home, and he was excited about it. And he hates the Maple Leafs, even though his father played a few games for them. He hates the Leafs, which happens to be a, a you know around the league a fair amount. So, you know what, I, I wasn't that bad. And I know your great friend Dave Hodge compares it to Shaq doing a dump, or not doing a dump, but doing a slam. <laughs> I should correct that. <laughs> a dunk, a, not a dump, a dunk. <laughs> okay, 
So, don't keep saying it, just don't keep saying dump, okay? So anyway, <laughs> look, I didn't like what Greg did, but it's not a big it's not the end of the world. And I just I just don't think it was as malicious as it looks. That's all. What if he'd seriously hurt the kid? Um, Does that make that, a difference? Because, because prob- he could have. Yeah, he he could have, but he didn't. I mean, he didn't. He didn't even well, bruise him. Just lucky, that's not, right? That's that's just lucky. Like I I look at I looked at the Truba thing last night, the slash in front of the net, and sure, the guy's arm was hooked hooked under. You know, it was, he was he was sort of hooked, holding on to him. And Truba does a baseball swing and gets a $5,000 fine. I know it was extenuating circumstances in that one as well. And, John, you know that one of Truba. Um, That was a $5,000 fine. It looked really bad. But when they really looked at it closer, they thought it was was fine-worthy. By the way, I think think there are a lot more angles of the Truba one we never saw. That's that's true, and and you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Look, I I think they're going to go they're going to go after him, and but they're talking. It's like Dale Hunter. Give me a break. This is not Dale Hunter. I'm sorry, it's not Dale Hunter. I think well, the comparison with the the league is is going to bring up when the hearing occurs is David Perron uh, against the Senators. Yeah. Uh, and I, I and I actually think David Perron was worse than this, and that was six games. So I, I yeah. you know, that it, it's, I, I just, I go back, I go back to, and obviously this is, these are hockey fans, and everybody's polarized, particularly some something with a rivalry like Ottawa and Toronto. Uh, I saw Jake Wallman do a a dance after scoring a penalty shot in Detroit earlier in the day. And yeah. thought, God, that's if I'm a Vancouver Canuck, I'm really ticked off at him. What am I? I mean, I Dakota yeah. Joshua should should be going out there and pushing him around. I, but I think now it's part of the game. I think the I think the the Ridley Grigg slap shot, the net didn't get injured, like the, nobody hurt the net. No, I, I, it was I, for the home. It was for the home fans. I agree, and they're and they're hurting fans. And, yeah. and they're all hurting there. And that's why I thought, okay, I'll let uh, Greg off the hook because it's excitement of beating the Leafs at home when you're in 29th or 28th place. Um, so we'll see what they do, but um, it's a major, major loss. Yeah. And, and for the coach to say it was appropriate didn't really help the situation any. Of course and, and then they asked Matthews, they asked Matthews when the last time he saw that, and he said, "Oh, I, I saw that three days ago in the All Star in the All Star Skills Competition." <laughs> so he wasn't that upset about it. But of course, of course, he 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 got a two game suspension for doing a similar cross check to Rasmus Dahlin, even though yeah. it was before a whistle at the yeah. outdoor game in Hamilton. And I like what he said. He he knew when he picked up the phone and they said hello that he was toast. So we'll see <laughs> we'll see how the mood of the call is today or tomorrow whenever it is yeah later today uh so so you you touched on it briefly um what kind of peril does this put the maple leafs without their best defenseman well if you look at their all of a sudden giordano's out now and he's he's struggled to say the least and he's out it looks like and they 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 to me their blue line when i saw the lineup today 
looks very similar to the Chicago Wolves defense that I watched last year in the American League. Legerson was there. LeJoie was there. You know, it looks like the Chicago Wolves blue line. The Chicago Wolves didn't make the playoffs in the American League last year, I don't think, with that blue line. I I, I think it's not going to – I think it's – and then that's not even mentioning the goaltenders. So that it's kind of frightening if I was the Leafs looking at that mess. But we'll see. But this is the blue line that the Maple Leafs put together by choice. You know, I've been I've been harping on the fact that this blue line has been terrible for years. And the reason <laughs> it's terrible and they can't fix it is because of spending too much up front on the four big guys. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, that's the truth. And it, you know, it's a flawed, it's a flawed setup uh, from the get-go. Uh, you get these young superstars. They're going into this this unbelievable seven years of unrestricted free agency, which came in in the CBA. Gary was so excited about it. And, uh, you know, now you're paying through the nose for young players and their stars. And um, the problem is they've got too many of them. And uh, you can't build a team. They've, look, how many times have they tried to rebuild their bottom six forward group and their defense? How many times have they tried to rebuild that? Every year, really. Every, every year. And it's, you know, it's the same thing. And it's, it's really challenging. That's the thing that drives me crazy. That's all we ever talk about is cap, cap, cap. And that's what we've created. So the owners have made a, the, the owners have made a killing off it because they've got guaranteed costs. And that's great. That's great. And the franchise are worth a billion dollars now. That's great, you know. But at some point, the Maple Leafs have to give up one of those big guys and rebuild the defense, don't you think? They got no choice. They got they've got no choice. Well, they do. They haven't done it in what six years. Yeah, they that's right. They haven't done it, and they have to do it. And everybody thought it would be Nylander going, and all of a sudden he was their best player the first twenty five games, and they they had to get him signed. And then they give Riley the big deal. And the next one's going to be when their goaltender wall, if he becomes as good as everybody thinks he's going to be, what are they going to have to pay him? So it's, I don't know how they fix it, but I know how they'll fix it. I got the answer. 100%. Keith Pelly is going to fix it. (laughs) Keith Pelly is going to fix it. Well, maybe somebody (laughs) should, whether it's Pelly or not, I don't care, but. Keith, look, how much you know? Bob Keith. talks about. Hold on, Doug, Bob, Bob talks about the the six years, and he's right. But uh, how much grace period do you give Brad for a living? Do you give him any? Uh, I I think I think when Pelly takes over April second, is that what the date is? April second. Yes. Yes. I think there's going to be some major decisions made in the first little while he's on the job, and it's not going to be about his decision is not going to be, what do we take, pay Doug McClain for Hockey Central at noon, Scott? <laughs> oh, let's give him 500000 Oh, great. And then in four years' time, they can't afford him and fire him. And McCowan and Shannon and all. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But I, 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 I trust Keith's going to fix it. I really do. Well... I, I don't have that much trust to tell you the truth. <laughs> you know what? You, you don't trust your buddy thing one? 
Well, I don't think so because he's a president of the organization. I don't think the president dips his hand into the into the players of the hockey team. You don't think, I don't think he will? No, he won't. But will he? Well, the question is, will he change the management of the group? That's and well, he might and do that. He might do that, that. That's what I'm thinking of. I agree with you. He's not going to get into the player, but he he's a management guy. So we'll see what he does. Yeah. Well, the other the, the other story, the other story that's that's uh, kind of rumbling, and I, I'm surprised it hasn't got more attention, is uh, something that's on the business page, not on the sports page, and and that's John Tavares's tax issues. And as a guy who used to sign players to signing bonuses, um, th this one's fascinating because it's really a Canadian-centric tax issue about, you know, if you get the signing bonus and you, you only have to pay 15% tax on the signing bonus, but the government now disagrees. Yeah, so that that's, that's going to be a really interesting test case um, because Tavares and his group signed because of this inducement situation where you're being induced to come to Canada. And if, if there's an inducement, there's a treaty in place that if you're induced to come as an actor or one of these, your signing bonus is treated as a 15% tax versus the 55% or whatever it typically would be. So here, here's the thing I see with this, and I'm not a tax expert, um, but the, the, the situation is, and the only thing that's involved is, does he pay 15% on his signing bonus or does he pay 55% or whatever it is? That, that's the whole gist of it. And it's going to be real yeah. interesting. Here's my question. If you're looking at this big a deal, why would you not have gone to the CRA and, and test it with them? Say, okay, this is what we're planning on doing in this situation. We got a player that's a superstar in the league and we're gonna pay him $1 million in salary and we're gonna give him 58 million in signing bonus. Wonder what the CRA would have said when they tested it with them. Well, I, think I know the, what they would have said. They would have the said- question, The question is, what is, what was the law at the time? Did he break the law? Did they break the law? And the law hasn't changed. The law hasn't changed, Bob. So, um, but, but, but it's, it, it's the interpretation of the law because what, what happens in a standard player's contract, there's a clause in it that says, if John Tavares today decides to retire, and then, then what happens is that the team says, you have to pay us a prorated part of your signing bonus back. And the moment they say a prorated part of the signing bonus, then that becomes interpreted by the, by the tax people as salary, not signing bonus. And that's where the difference is between where the club and the player are, and I assume the NHL and the Players Association, and the government. You know, this is not going to get resolved uh, in the next two weeks, but this is going to have, this could have mitigating factors in other players signing and how the contracts are written up because that's the, that's the real issue if you because if, if you say i'm going to sign in well if you're going to sign in canada do you do you want to sign in canada and risk losing eight to nine million dollars in salary or in bonus because the government says you have to pay at a different tax bracket
that's the problem. Yeah, it, it's going to be real interesting case. And I go back to the fact that you've got a supposedly $10 million player and his cap hit is 10 million or 11 million. And he's only getting a million dollar salary. And they're saying, uh, just a minute, he's not getting a million salary. But I go back to it again. Would they have tested? The, would they have not talked to the CRA and said, "Where do we stand on this?" I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. I, guess I know. A lot of people do that. A lot of people will say, "Okay, this is what our plan is," or do you push the envelope? Or do you push the envelope right to the limit and think think you're right? I don't know. I'm not a tax lawyer, but yeah, I, well, it'll be fun to watch. Well, I, 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 like, for instance, like his signing bonus in the first year, which I think is the one that's being vetted, was $15 million, and his salary was $650,000. Right. And exactly. so he's paying 52% on six fifty dollars and 15% on $15 million. Yeah, that's but what he they wants. Come up to, with those numbers, John. What, the, what, the, bon the, the bonus number or the, or the percentage? The whole of thing. How do they put it together that way? They well, must they have done it, it based on what the information they had, right? Are we talking the team or the agent or the or the well, whatever? Team? You know, I mean, it's not embarrassing. Well, this this was an this was an as Doug talked about. This was an inducement to bring a player back to Canada, which I get the it. Maple believes, and I assume somebody, his agent believed. But somebody put this deal together. It wasn't John? Had Brisson put the deal together? Okay. Yeah. So I gather he looked at the tax laws and made a decision on what they could or couldn't do, right? That's that's what you would think. And and you would certainly think that they had lots of advice. Uh, sure. When you're, t when you're talking about a $77 million contract. Right. Uh, ta tax advice. But if they took the inducement treaty, the, the so-called treaty between Canada and the United States, and they thought they were in within the guidelines of it, you know what happened. So I know one thing. I mean, this, this goes back to when we, remember when we had Stan Caston on Bob, and yeah. we asked him about how they were playing Shohei Otani. Oh, Otani, yeah. And, and he said, "Don't worry, we have vetted this with a lot of people." Yeah. And so you say, so you have to try. At, at a certain point, you have to trust the agent, and you have to trust the team to say, okay. Yeah. They feel yeah. that they have solved all these issues. But now the government of Canada and the CRA are saying, uh, not so fast. That, that's really the issue. And right yeah, now... But why are they saying that? Why is the Canadian government doing what they're doing? Are they getting that is, a, that is a great question. We're, I mean, it's, it's worth asking a few questions of other people. And we might have uh, to pursue yeah. this. Yeah. We might have to pursue this. Hey, but, uh, no, before we let you I, go, I, Doug. I know one oh, thing. I know one thing. Being audited by the CRA, it's not a fun process. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, by the way, before we let you go, do we have to start calling you a professor? Seriously. Well, do we well, have to start calling you a professor? I think that would be appropriate. <laughs> um, so now, Doug, tell us what, tell us what you're doing. Tell, I mean... You've been hired, but you've been hired by some online school to talk about what pickleball or? Well, I, I'm going to talk about multiple things, but I yeah, sports management worldwide out of Portland, Oregon. 
interesting. Uh, their former, the former guy that taught this course didn't have a great background. His name was Harry Sinden. <laughs> he, he was only in the NHL for 50 years. And Harry retired, did this for 19 years and retired at 91 years of age. So um, they offered me Harry's old position. So um, I wish they would have offered me Harry's old position in Boston, but instead I, instead I got his position with sports management okay. worldwide. So, you, <laughs> so you I do a, I'm doing a, a scouting, scouting uh, general manager course once a week, every Wednesday night for an hour online. And it's an eight week course and it runs your, you know, they, if they have this number of students, you just keep doing it. Uh, so I'll, hopefully I'll do it six or seven classes over the course of the year. Well, good luck. So now we have to, to, this Bob, Bob, I think something, I think with all, with the way that you miss out on things with respect to hockey management and you're not always accurate, you should oh, really? sign up. You should sign up for the course. Yeah. And then, then you would be able to talk real knowledgeably about the leaps. Yeah. But somebody's <laughs> got to teach me apparently. <laughs> and I, I don't think it'll be you. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you uh, to Professor Doug McLean uh, for spending I, a few minutes with us. And I apologize. On this I, I'm going to move from here to finishing the dishes, uh, washing <laughs> the dishes, and I and then getting lunch ready. So I just really appreciate you joining me in the kitchen today. And it it's called a kitchen party in DEI. That's what they call it, a kitchen party What's, where they do fiddling and step dancing. Thanks for my knowledge. What's for lunch? Oh, geez. I, I had lobster sandwiches last week, but I had to send a note to my fisherman buddy at BI that we're now officially at a lobster. Send more. Anyway, <laughs> good. To, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, That's Doug. the professor, Doug McLean. Bob, <laughs> Bob and I will be back to talk to Michael Farber about uh, spending more money, $880 million on a new roof for Olympic Stadium on the McCowan <laughs> podcast after this. Welcome back to the podcast, McCowan, Shannon, and Michael Farber in Montreal. Um, Michael, these are stories that Bob loves to talk about, the government spending money. So you're the resident Montrealer on this show today. Could you please explain how any government can legitimately pay $880 million to fix a roof, which they want to do at the Olympic Stadium? To fix a roof for a building that is barely used. Right. Because to dismantle the building, you can't blow it up because the metro runs under it. Uh, and you can't take a wrecking ball to it because of the pre-stressed concrete. It would cost more than double that uh, to knock it down. Now, if they'd done this and tried to demolish it in, I guess, 09, the cost in 2024 dollars would have been about half of what it's costing now. So there's inflation. Uh, I didn't get to Montreal till 79, but we've been living with this since 76 when uh, the mayor, Jean Drapeau, was essentially the project manager. And uh, Roger Taillebert, the architect from France, who really knew very little about climate here, 
built uh, what was then called a billion dollar boondoggle. If it were only a billion dollars, we would have been happy. I suppose, yeah. But still, you know, you're going to spend nearly a billion dollars now. For what is the question, I guess? Uh, essentially to keep the building functional for what little function it has. It's been a money pit from day one. Uh, when I moved here in 79, I started referring to it as the big O, O-W-E. Now, I couldn't have invented that, right? I couldn't have been the first person to have thought of that. But Ted Blackman, you remember Ted, said, oh, no, no, that's, that's you. So it's been that way ever since. At one point, uh, they had the roof stored in a warehouse in Ville St. Pierre, which I would guess would be the distance from the Danforth to where the Leafs practice on the other side of town. And then they moved it and stored it in the basement of the Olympic Stadium. But because we are so messed up, we were the only place in the world where our stadium had its roof in the basement. So, Michael, you said that it barely gets used. Um, if Bob and I were to take the train to Montreal and take a cab from, uh, you know, the train station out there, could we get in and could we could we go to a convention there? What are they using it for? Yeah, you could go to a convention. And I, I know you're big fans of monster trucks. Bob loves monster trucks. Monster yeah. trucks. So, yeah, you, you could do that, uh, you know, shows and what have you. But right near that train station you'd be getting off, there's a convention center. Now, it's not the best convention center in the world, but it does okay. And so the stadium is not relevant now. I mean, the Alouettes haven't played there since whenever the U2 concert knocked them over to McGill. <clears throat> the Expos no longer exist, even though I thought that stadium was fine for baseball. It's not like people here had been to Camden Yards or Coors Field. Right. Uh, it was convenient if you, know, you took the Metro right up and it was fine. Um, but the ownership at that time says, oh, we need a new stadium. And maybe they did, but essentially they poisoned that well. So what sporting events do you want to hold there? Um, basically none. You know, there's been a, a movement off and on, I guess, over the past few years for the return of baseball to Montreal. They've talked about Tampa Bay, as you know. Would, is there anybody that talks about the possible revitalization of the stadium as a baseball home for a team? Not really. It's all about getting a new baseball-friendly stadium, something with thirty to 35,000 seats so we can enjoy our two weeks of summer. Um, it's Right now, I don't see how this can happen. There are people who are smarter than I am and certainly richer than I am, who still have uh, hopes for this happening. Um, but is Major League Baseball going to come back to Montreal? I'm not holding out hope. If it did, I suppose you could play there, but you wouldn't need a roof to play there necessarily. No, I guess not, right? Back I, I could build a nice 35,000-seat stadium for $880 million. 
Yeah, you probably could. It's just where are you going to build it? And if you know the geography of Montreal, right down from the Bell Center, just south, there was a great plot of land and that's been developed years ago. So if not, you'd have to go out to where the old racetrack was. And yes, there's a metro there, but it's not the dreamy downtown ballpark that in our best our, our best vision of this, it's not going to happen. What are the options so then? You know, if you don't spend it on the stadium, um, what, and what do you do, if anything? Well, if you're the mayor of Montreal, you use the, the word patrimony and say the stadium is our patrimony. I'm not sure it's a good thing to, that this boondoggle is known as a patrimony. Um, but the Olympic Tower, if you think of Montreal as a public space, you think first probably of the cross on Mount Royal. Right. And then you think of the Olympic Tower. And that, for better or worse, has now become a symbol, a public face of Montreal. So are you suggesting that they that the city will not let them even discuss tearing it down, or is that just not physically possible? Well, it's, it's physically difficult, not impossible. And, and the call that you've seen, you know, a billion eight to knock it down uh, might be high, but given the cost of public projects here, maybe not. I mean, it's a lot of money to start all over again. And it's not a debate we necessarily want to have now. And in any case, it has made everybody look foolish. What, uh, what eventually gets done to the building, the vote? You know, if you're spending $100 million to fix it up, is that for any reason? I'm not sure what you could put in there that would work. Uh, it's too large for the CFL. It seats 60,000, although the sight lines are great. Uh, in 1979, three years after the Olympics, there was international track and field, and that was great. But that only brought in 20,000 people. Right. That's the once, once, once in a while, long while. Right. Exactly. Right. And then the problem with all the Olympic installations is they didn't stick. And they right. could have because the velodrome built right next to that stadium was one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever been in. And they kept it. And people didn't want to train there year round. Would have been a great venue for that and ultimately became what is now known as the Biodome. And whatever was built for the Olympics and to make Montreal that kind of sporting city just was washed away. It, it's footprints in the sand of time. Right. So is this, is the 880 million a fait accompli, Michael? Is this a done deal? Or, or was, do you think that the provincial government sent out a test balloon? I don't know. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I really don't know. I'm not politically connected. Um, but it's a lot of money. And as you might have followed, there's been teacher strikes here and, and there are teacher strikes everywhere <clears throat> and concerns about healthcare care systems. So it got everybody's attention, surely.
And uh, just I'm not, not expecting you to have the answer, but uh, is there a timeline? Is this something that that the province is going to just try to push through? We have kicked this can down the road for decades, John and Bob. I really don't know how it can be resolved. If it had been resolved 15 years ago, even in current dollars, it would have cost half of this. Uh, probably the wrong material was used initially in the construction, which is why it makes demolition so extraordinary. But look around at stadia or arenas in North America. 76 doesn't seem old to the three of us. We knew what we were doing in 76, but how many NHL buildings were built then? In the 70s, we saw the circular stadia, Cincinnati and Philadelphia. That was the wave of the future. We now have separate football and baseball stadiums. So by any stretch of the imagination, given modern sensibilities, you know, this, this building that is coming up to 50 years old is old. Well, sure. But if I was interested in a baseball team from Montreal, and there are people who are, obviously, and the government was going to spend $800 million just to take the roof off this place or rebuild it, I mean, wouldn't I, wouldn't I at least explore the possibility of maybe trying to get a baseball franchise to go in there? I mean, John's probably been there many times. I know you have. I have been to many baseball games there. And, you know, I guess I'm fond of the place. <laughs> it's not it's not a terrible place at all. And it's a pretty good place to watch a ball game, to be honest. And if if uh, if I could put in, say, $800 million myself, and the government was going to put $800 million in, you could really fix the place up and make it look pretty good, I think. Yeah, you'd have to do what I guess is going on now at Rogers Center. I mean, it would need... Right. They're serious, spending $300 million, right? It would need serious retrofitting. Um, sure, but still it can be done, right? In theory, but you'd also need a team. And is Major League Baseball in a hurry to expand? And if so, you know, why wouldn't you put a team in Nashville? Well, I get that. But, you know, you do have the Tampa situation and you also have Oakland. And the mayor of Las Vegas now says that she doesn't even want the Oakland A's. So there's a real question about whether they wind up there. No, that's true. And you, Major League Baseball always wants a stocking horse as the, sure the National yeah. Hockey League, you know, love Cops Coliseum. Uh, you know, and the uh, Videotron Center in the Quebec City, right? Song, Videotron that's actually French for Cops Coliseum. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, uh, they have this beautiful 18,000 seat arena, and it's it's lovely, it's there, but that doesn't mean an NHL team will ever play there. No, no, but I mean, but it, it, it but it, if. So if Bob and I, you know, were able to get that two and a half billion dollars, because I think that's probably going to be the price for a baseball team. Sure. If we had two and a half billion dollars, would it go in Montreal this time around? I don't know. 
Uh, Montreal is cautious with its money, other than spending it as a fan base, other than spending it on the Canadiens. Um, I don't know. There's a, a wave of nostalgia. Sure. Uh, but is that people my age and a little younger? Or is there something stronger behind it? Uh, I could see right now basketball, an NBA franchise, if the owners of the Canadians and the money people there wanted to put a team in, you wouldn't get revenue necessarily. Uh, but the interest in basketball uh, has grown exponentially. And uh, I'm not sure that could compete. Uh, but right now, you know, people say this is a hockey town, and I dispute that because World Juniors didn't do well here since the days of Mario Lemieux in the early 80s. Junior hockey has not been terribly strong in and around Montreal. So I don't I don't think this is a hockey town. I think it's a Canadian's town. Right, right. Hey, so before we let you go, Michael, since we, we have abs solved absolutely nothing uh, <laughs> it, it, since 1976 about this damn stadium, um, uh, I have never seen more patience with a hockey fan base in my life than exists with Montreal Canadiens right now. Can you explain this? Yeah. Uh, there is a degree of forbearance here that is remarkable, that I think is unexpected and, and surprisingly mature uh, because watching a game a couple weeks ago now against Philadelphia, I mentioned to my wife, there's not one player in this game who would rank in the top 50 in the league and maybe the top 75 in the league. It's just what it is. But there is a coach who is a, when Martin Saint-Louis was a player, uh, he he was a little edgy. Well, he, he those edges have been rounded off and he it's all about development and forbearance and forgiveness. And so when you get dusted 7-2 by the Blues, you say, well, actually, it's kind of great because Struble has been playing well, and now we got embarrassed on the first goal, and he'll learn from that. So, yeah, it's absolutely astounding what we're looking at. Uh, other than the popularity of the coach, uh, I really can't explain it. Uh, the Canadians are a year away from being a year away, so you're going to have to be patient for another year or two. I think next season, if we're looking at that, it won't be, wow, Slavkovsky is improving and that's a good thing. Uh, it will be, you know, let's let's look at the scoreboard and let's look at the standings. And you know what? You don't do this in a vacuum because Detroit's going to get better and Buffalo's going to get better. And bless them, the Ottawa Senators one day will actually get better. And so there are no guarantees. But Montreal has shown patience, maturity, and something I didn't think existed uh, to the degree that it has so far. Well said. I, I, I'm I'm absolutely amazed. This is the um, I think the, the 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 most knowledgeable fan base in the history of the game has been for years, um, and they. I don't know if they're not accepting losses, but they they really have believed what you know the the triumvirate of guys, the two Jeffs and and, and Martin have have sold them. 
It's amazing. Well, they just don't have anywhere else to spend their money, I guess. <laughs> Good point, Bob. It's they're <laughs> buying the process. And, you know, when this pays off, if it pays off, you know, I, I don't know. And the question is, when will the patients wear, wear thin, right? Uh, I, I would think somehow second half of next season. Well, not soon, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for this, Michael. Appreciate it. My Michael, pleasure. Great to see you, pal. Thank you. Take care, Bob. See you, John. Bye-bye. Michael Farber in Montreal. Bob and I'll be back after this. <laughs> so, so John Tavares owes $8 million, and uh, the province of Quebec are spending $880 million on a roof. All we're doing is talking about money these days. We're talking about stupid things is what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean... Would you? I mean, the whole concept in Montreal is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's, ridiculous. it's, it's absurd. Just yeah. leave the place the way it is. If it falls down, it won't cost you anything. Now, as a guy who has uh, studied lots of teams, and uh, can Montreal can they uh, can they be successful if they got back into Major League Baseball? Um, I would. I think they'd be more successful than. The Oakland days in Oakland, or Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. So the answer, I guess, is yes. Um, I don't know whether they have to build a new stadium. We talked a lot about that in the past, yeah. but uh, you know, if they're going to fix the roof at the Big O, spend another couple hundred thousand to fix the inside, so it's okay for Major League Baseball. As, and as Michael said, though, as Michael said, the problem in Montreal is it, it's such a different landscape and there's no such thing as just a couple of hundred million that everything, the, the cost of things are exorbitant, right? Hey, Bob, the original cost of the Olympic Stadium was supposed to be 600 million. Well, I understand. I, I, I and know it cost, there's and lots it cost, of corruption. And now, and now, according to records, they have, they have spent close to $9 billion. Nine billion dollars on that stadium. Well, it's crazy, crazy. They are crazy. Yep. I'd leave. Yeah. I'd leave. Move to Toronto if I was a Montrealer. You know, Toronto spends a lot of money, but not like this. Not on stupid uh, things. Well, it's uh, this is stupid. It's, it's gonna. <laughs> it is. It is. Anyway, thanks to uh, Doug McLean and to Michael Farber for joining us today. Yep. Uh, we'll have a bit more fun tomorrow. Maybe, maybe we'll even get Bob to laugh. What do you think, Bob? Not likely. Okay. All right. Well, have a good day. Thanks for listening or watching the McCowan podcast. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.